Uh, welcome, and you're listening to Geekologist Radio, a division of the Ninja Pancake family of podcasts. And now... Hey, it's Christopher, and welcome to a special edition of Geekologist Radio, where we tackle episode 5 of, Ge- of season 7 of Game of Thrones. Uh, in each of these spoiler casts for the season, we're going to give you our initial impressions, talk about the story and where every major plot line, location by location, uh, and then give you our final thoughts, which will include hits and misses. Uh, as always, we'll have theories, but let's introduce the panel for tonight's cast. We've got Mr. Damian Nash. What's up, everybody? Excited to be back on the Game of Thrones podcast this week. And we have Derek. Yes, I'm back. Audio issues from a few seconds ago and minutes ago fixed. We hope. Keep it going. Internet and computer. And fingers crossed. Jeff. (laughs) Hey, hey. That's me. I'm here for the fifth time. (laughs) Really, I think Cajun, uh, Derek, myself, and Jeff uh, have been on all five of these bad boys. Uh, Damien has been on four of the five, I think. So missing last missing week, last week. Oh. Uh, yep. but we've been pretty consistent. And uh, as we stay consistent, we're going to start with our initial thoughts, which are what are our non-spoiler spoiler impressions of, of this week's Game of Thrones uh, season seven, episode five. Damien, you might go first. Yeah, uh, the Thirteenth Warrior. That'll right. always be explained more <laughs> later. Jeff, uh, exposition as always. Yeah. Um, and that's about it. <laughs> and mine, although good, this was my least favorite episode of this season. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. E- this, easily this least was, favorite this season. There was a lot of backstory. Season. Yep, and uh, and I have some salt over some of it too. We'll, we'll go over it in a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. It was a. Uh, it's really difficult with a uh, just like after coming off of that big episode four. For me, this was kind of the come down. You know what I mean? Like you had you had to have this. This was like let's get everybody together and however we have to cross all of those things to do that, we're gonna make it happen and we're gonna do it in under an hour and fifteen minutes. Uh, so I believe that that's that's all we got from this episode. Um, let's go location by location. We're gonna start first at uh, Riverlands, aka the Loot Train, and we're gonna start off with Jamie's alive. Yes, yeah. that was that was. I, I was glad. I was. I mean. I, you have to. I mean, if Jamie's gonna die, it's gotta be, it's gotta be with a lot. It's gonna be bloody. It can't be anything, anything light. And I mean, dra- not that drowning's light, but you know that it just seems like too easy of a death for a warrior of his standing. They were able to get quite a bit away. Like, don't you think? Like, they were halfway down the halfway down the river by the time that they got out of the water. So I'm just curious on how. When the dragon lit everything up like a Christmas tree and the horse went down, how they weren't waiting for them to come back up again to go after them. That didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. That part really kind of caught me off guard. And then Jamie being pissed at Bronn for, for taking him off the horse. Why did you do that? I was, you know, was going to take her out. And he like looked at him like, really, dude? Like That, that wasn't going to happen, right? Like You know that. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to win the war for us, man. It, no, there's a there's a dragon there's a mountain of meat behind her so do you really want to go down that road what was nice was Braun just basically saying like that the next time i see dragons dude i'm out <laughs> I, I have no part of this any longer so uh and and jamie definitely was dreading telling cersei 
any of this. Almost like a, a kid who's afraid to tell their dad that they screwed her mom, that they screwed up, right? So he doesn't want to say, I didn't, it wasn't me that killed every one of the people in your army, I apologize, or the ones that they took from us at all. It wasn't me. So you could see the definite sense of, of disappointment uh, from, from Jamie. Yeah, no, it was, that, 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 that particular scene was like, I liked, I liked how Braun had just said, you know, hey, you know, you know, if anybody gets to kill you other than, you know, before I get what I want, it's me. <laughs> yeah, it's good to hear like Braun and Jamie explain why they did what they did, because when you looked at it from the actual scene, why is Jamie dragon jousting right here? Um, why is Braun uh, saving him? Why is Braun putting himself there? It's good to hear from both sides. Like Jamie, he, he, he doesn't care if he wants to live anymore. We, we see that in more ways than one. And Braun has but one person who knows what he's owed, and that's Jamie, so he's going to do whatever he can to keep him alive. So it was good to hear those two sides uh, explain that. I didn't like what probably I talked about when I had to reboot there was all this, is Jamie alive, and how the hell they got to the bank, and this we swam so far away, and Tyrion's just assuming Jamie's alive, and all this non-stuff that they, they talked about that just kind of didn't make much sense in uh, terms of regular plot. Just, yeah, we're just going to walk off now. Yeah, that, that, they're over there. We're gone. We're not going to try to get away from anything. We're going to chat for a little bit and go. Cajun, that has a lot to do with like 90% of this episode. There were a lot of times where there were over explanations for things that it was almost like, hey, I, I want to catch everybody up on what we feel like you might have missed four seasons ago. So let's let's talk about that real fast. And so then they would go into this really long little speech real quick to catch everybody back up again. So I think it's it, for me, that was a theme throughout this entire episode. The part that I really liked about this loot, loot train scene was Tyrion walking through the wreckage and the feeling, the weight of all of the mistakes and the choices that he's made in like the Casterly Rock mistake and Danny not listening to him anymore and him feeling like he's let a lot of people down, not just her, but his people, you know, the, all the Lannisters. So uh, there's a lot of weight that is carried by on, on his shoulders through this situation. Yeah, no, it, that scene. And then I also liked because, you know, Game of Thrones... They, depending on where they're at, will depend on their color palette they use for that particular scene. And I really like the fact that the scene in the, this, when he was walking through, uh, he, Tyrion seems more colored. Like, he seems more colorful sure. upon a very bleak uh, uh, background, you know, that he's got, that he's walking through. So, again, it helps illustrate when you were talking about that, the, the weight of the situation how heavy that lays on his heart. The next part of the, of the Lutrain scene is what I like to call the Lion King. <laughs> and so basically you have the dragon on top of the mountain. You have Danny sitting on top of the rock and she's addressing the crowd saying, you would think that I would just kill you outright right now. That's what Cersei's told you. That's not what I want to do. If you bend the knee right now, you will survive. Do you think that they're in fear that, or they believe what Cersei's saying? Do you think that there's any trust at all? Or is it just pure, like, there's a dragon sitting, like, literally 100 yards from us on the on top of that rock? I think that it's... It, most of the people bent the knee out of fear. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it, there's no loyalty there. They just know that if they do that, they're not going to die. And it's made really apparent when the uh, Drogon roars and everybody's like okay yeah i'm i'm done i just pooped myself i'm i'm yours 
I mean, if you think about it, these guys just came out of watching half their friends get toasted with the flame of Drogon. So bending the knee, I wouldn't even have thought twice. And uh, here's one of the scenes where it totally baffles me how she knows who he is, but she calls out Lord Tarly by name. How does she even know who Lord Tarly is? She's never met him in, in her life. There's no by his name that she should know him. It was just like, oh, hey, I, I kind of know who you are. That is because Tyrion is there. Okay. Yeah. That's the only reason why she knows anybody from Westeros uh, is because Tyrion is there. She would either have to have brought Tyrion. I think that's the only reason why she uh, he is there. So if there was any survivors, uh, he would be able to identify if there were any lords uh, that she would be able to talk to. What's really awesome about Tyrion is in that scene, he says to Lord Tarly, because Lord Tarly just recently was part of House, House Tyrell, and he said that his choices appear flexible. Mm-hmm. So if if they're so flexible that all of a sudden you're with Cersei, why can't you just come over here and bend the knee and we'll call it a day? He's really trying to save Tarly's ass here because he knows what's coming if he doesn't bend the knee. And he's like, man, this guy's a good soldier. His kid's a good soldier. I just want to save people at this point. There's so many deaths. They're unnecessary. I don't want any more deaths on, in his eyes, his hands. You know what I mean? It was one of those things that that also with that is that I felt that, and I think that we'll see it later on, maybe not this season because we're so close to the end, but obviously in the final season, this is gives an opportunity for, yeah, they bow, they kneel by fear, but through the actions of the queen from Danny, they're going to find a reason to follow her instead out of loyalty in the end that i mean they, they could turn around and totally like screw her over but i mean i honestly think that eventually this is what will happen yeah they bow by fear initially and then find her to be of her word later well i mean this game of chess isn't even close to being over it's just beginning yeah it's it's a bunch of people that were used to playing checkers and now they have to play chess. And so Tyrion in that position is learning that really quickly because he's like, wow, I'm really good at checkers. Oh, wait, everybody's playing chess. So now I have to learn how to play chess. So he's he's trying to do that, which which I think is great. I, Lord Charlie basically says that there's no easy choices, but he pulls the same card that Cersei pulls and says, you know, you know, she's from Westeros. Tyrion killed his dad. Why are you staying with these invaders? So he's bringing up people from a foreign land, taking over our, our, you know, where we live and that sort of thing. Cersei said the same exact thing. I think it's really interesting that they both go back to the same front. It, it For me, it's like, is this all you have? Like, is this the only thing that you have to defend yourself with the, you know, you're from a foreign land. Why are you being saved by these people? And Danny's telling Tarly that he won't trade his life for honor. You know, you you won't trade honor for your life. Like, won't you just give up being a proud person for your life? And he's like, no, absolutely not. Like, there are a few things that people can stand for in this world because I'm not a, a he's a lord, but he's not a king. And one of them is my pride, and I will stand for that until the day I die. And not only is he taken himself, but he's taken Dickon too. Yeah, that was one of the things is that when he takes it, when his son goes over. Now, the the one interesting thing is for all her knowledge. Or for all Tyrion's knowledge, you know, he drinks and he knows stuff. How does he not know that there's another son? 
I was thinking, I have that in my notes, and it, like, literally in asterisks, it's like, people are forgetting that we're about Samwell is now head of House Tarly. Like, so... Yeah. He's not, though. I mean, I guess he... He is now. He, but he's not. Because, because he's he, a, took, the he took the vow of... But Yeah, he took the black. Oh. But, you know, can they waive that? If I think he's the they last could. of the Tarly name, can he waive that? The only reason that John got out of it was because he died. And oh, then came back. There you go. He's the breaker of uh, of lives, not chains. Yeah. I like that Danny when pleaded by Tyrion because he says put them in a cell because it makes men remember, you know, and she says to him that chains aren't an option anymore. She breaks them for people. She no longer puts them in people. And if there was an option to go into change, people would take that every time over the, obviously, the dragon. So for her to, she's come to the realization that what I have in my notes is people fear Cersei and Danny is getting pissed off about playing the game fair anymore. She's tired of playing. Cersei gets to cheat and play this way and play that way and, and take shortcuts and Danny's always played fair and by the law. And so now she's, it's not that she's not playing by the law, but she's, she's playing the enforcer, which she hasn't done before. Like she doesn't come out and just, just take people out. And she's doing that now because people in power get things. And in order for her to be respected, she has to do something. But then in that case, again, she has bit like, like she, she, again, she got punched, you know, she got hit hard because she was playing by the rules then they didn't play by the rules back. And so obviously that's another reason why she is doing what she's doing is because it's, you know, fool me once, shame on, you know, shame or shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. And then our favorite, my, my favorite line in Game of Thrones is anytime Danny yells to <laughs> And that, <laughs> that dragon, Drogon was just like, yep, going to have to blaze these guys up. And they were toast really, really quickly. And it's funny because the rest of the people that were standing up quickly went to an E. Like, I yeah. mean, real fast. Like, oh, and we're done. <laughs> like, so I have the, in my notes too, like, you know, if you take out one of the sheep, the flock will follow. You know what I mean? They'll like. You have to flex your authority. And so she took out the, the biggest things that they had that were left. And it's like, oh, crap, if our leaders are down, uh, okay, whatever you say. Like, I got to stay alive. It doesn't sound like uh, that they're in it because of the love of it. They're they're more mercenaries at this point. But, you know, whatever. They need an army. So it doesn't really matter to her. And that she's got the Dothraki. That's that's all that matters. And we find out later on from, from Jamie that that's pretty much all she needs at this point. Yeah. So we're going to head into the Citadel. Uh, and the Citadel right now, in the first the first scene that we catch is Samwell, the Archmeister, and the Meisters. So like all of the rest of the Meisters. And they're all chatting about the raven that Bran had to send uh, from what he saw. Yes. Yeah, so this opens up a major plot hole for me, is that the King of the North, a maester in training, Samwell, the actual maester of Winterfell... Uh, the heir to the throne of King's Landing and history books all say White Walkers exist, but Cersei and the Maesters still do not believe White Walkers exist. All of this is just way too forced of a plot by the showrunners to get next week's episode of this North of the Wall thing going. And I'm not a fan. <laughs> I wasn't a fan of this this entire scene. It's like Samwell, he calls... He calls Bran by name, so he's the one who initiates them, even knowing who he is, or maybe they did know who he is, and they just weren't 
really calling him by his name. He lets them know that he survived outside the wall, talk, talks to him. I think the thing that, that he, he strives for is telling them to the Meister himself is that if he tells people that the threat is real, people will believe that the threat is real. If you tell them to go defend the wall, they'll defend the wall. Why are you not just telling people to go do something? And their response is, well, it could be Danny. You know, she could be putting out propaganda out there. And, and and Samwell, at that point, I think, is where he becomes disenfranchised with the Meisters. And he's just like, you really? Like, you know that I saw one. So, like, you're full of, sh- you're full of crap. Like, you know I saw one. I told you I saw one. You admit that I saw one. And you're still calling it this? That's not right. At that point, I think that's where he started to get his frustration. And he has enough. Yeah. Sam's had enough. He, he has... Uh, but he doesn't have enough information to make a decision at this point. So, but all the information is right there for him. I mean, we see that. Like the information is there in the Citadel, but he also sees the information from John's parentage too, which is that was a frustrating scene. But at the same time, uh, he doesn't know that his uh, his father and brother were burned alive too. So he has all this information. He's just he's just tripping out right now and going and just having his own little mental breakdown. Where and not. Re- and not absorbing the information he needs to make the right decisions and to, to have what he needs. This is the this is the time that I just did not like Sam, like, at all. I think that he was just, he was too caught up in his own thoughts that he missed so many things, and he was a complete douche to Gilly. Like, uh, the person that has shown him some of the, mo- uh, some of the most kindness in the world and has just accepted him for who he is and he's just ignoring her and just leaving he would have really learned a lot if he just listened to her for that second for for me this was a lot of fan service the knowledge that Rhaegar did not pillage Lyanna was more for the audience and not for Samwell. And Thank the reason you. why the reason why I think that is is because he doesn't have knowledge of anything that went on, which is why he blew right over it. But what this does is it lets the audience in on a secret that Samwell has no idea of. Hey, guess what? He's really a Targaryen. And so don't worry about the fact that he could take the throne right now. He is the he is the rightful heir to the Iron Throne right now. At, but Jenny doesn't know it. Samuel doesn't know it. But guess who? The only people that know that is the audience. And so that's their little gift. That's a give to the audience. For those who don't know, um, what they were, what they're talking about is, is when Gelly, Gelly raised the tomes, she finds out that the High Septon Maynard performed an annulment for Prince Rhaegar and his marriage to Ilya Martell and remarried him to Lyanna Stark at a secret ceremony in Dorm. What that means is it proves that Rhaegar didn't take Lyanna against her will uh, and that was a belief of Robert Baratheon. And assuming that Rhaegar ran off with his bride, that's why R- Robert Baratheon launched the rebellion against uh, Restros. And this is also why Ned always talks so highly of Rhaegar. He never he never talked crap about Rhaegar, even though he was with Lyanna, because he knew that Rhaegar it, it wasn't a bad guy. He was like he wasn't a bad dude. And so John isn't a bastard at all, but a full blood Targaryen, which, like we just spoke of, makes him the rightful claim to the Iron Throne not Danny because he would be considered her older brother. So in the chat, Marco Miko uh, says, to be fair, if Sam heard it, he, uh, he doesn't have 
any clue anyway. All he knows is that John is Ned Stark's bastard. Yes. Yeah, and that's that's absolutely true. Like again, people not knowing we we as the audience get that little give, which is really nice. It's nice to be the audience for a change, knowing something that people in the game don't know. So now I feel like we have an advantage a little bit. Like we, as we're watching it, and the whole connection between Danny and him, and now Samwell coming, which we find out he grabs Samwell gets pissed off in that scene. To your point, uh, Jeff, and he's just like, listen damn, I'm going to take all this stuff. And he gives a line that we heard from last season that I don't know if everybody caught. He said, I'm tired of reading the achievements of better men. It's the same line that Randall gave to him when they were at the table when he said to Samwell, all you do is is do that. You All you do is read the tales of better men. And it, and it hit home with me when I heard the line because I'm like, oh my God, that's your dad. Like, you know what I mean? And so saying that line to me was, it was, that was the final straw. He's like, you know what? I'm going to be a better man and I'm taking my shit and I'm going. And they, and he just left to, to Winterfell. And the other thing about that though, and also this is something that Marco Minko brings up is that uh, Sam went to the Citadel to gather information about the Long Night and how to defeat the White Walkers. Well, in the end, gathering those books and stuff that he did, Sam completed his mission that he went there to do. He just, he's, I mean, he's going to bring the knowledge back and he's going to study it where he is best at, which is going to be back with his people. Yeah. Yeah, back in Winterfell. Yeah, he told John just... he was coming back with, with info. Yep. And that's that's exactly what he did. He was going to go back and be a Meister. To, in, in my mind, he is one because of the things he accomplished how he was able to kill the scale, uh, the the dragon scale, and now he he's been able to read all that information. He knows just as much as those other guys, and they're they're still fluffing him off, which is to me they're just basically making him do grunt work for the sake of doing grunt work at this point. And see, this is where this is Fouts jumps in and says that yeah, Sam pretty much said, okay, you guys are gonna, you know, what Chris said, fluff me off. Well, screw you guys, I'm going home. I'm gonna take all the information I think's pertinent. So we're gonna head next to King's Landing. And King's Landing has some important information, as does most places. Believe me, when I was when I was mapping this last night, we hit twenty spots, twenty different cutscenes that went from place to place to place to place to place. This place it was jumping all over the map this week. The first scene is Jamie and Cersei, and I believe I was telling uh, Fouts this that really affected me when Cersei initially says to Jamie the first line when she sees Jamie was, "How many men did we lose?" Not, "How are you?" Yeah, I get where that affects you, but she was pissed off that when he came back after he was captured and lost his hand and everything like that, she was pissed off at him then. Mm -hmm. But still, so I just... So this isn't even anything new. But with the information that she may know in future scenes that come up in this episode, the fact that she's angry about that and not concerned about him, that's where it affects me. But we'll get into that situation because there's a lot of a lot of melodrama that goes along with that scene. Um she says that they could buy the buy mercenaries with the Terrell money, so she's unconcerned. She's not really, really concerned about that. Jamie says to her, "This is a war we can't win. You have not seen the Dothraki on the ground; they are lethal, and Kyber and Scorpion couldn't stop a dragon, and they only that was only one. They've got three. So that's that to yeah. me was a very powerful moment because you have Jamie the 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 king killer or king slayer explaining he's he's saying he's afraid like yep. he's not you know he's not hiding it he's stating that you know we are going to lose if we keep this you keep on this 
And that was like that was huge to see a character like that admit that. I mean, that was like the when the dog or the dog <laughs> when the hound was defeated, you know, everybody was like, oh, my God, you know, it was it's kind of one of those moments. But, yeah, no, it was it was something that it was such a. See, this episode to me has brought in a lot of different character dynamics of seeing characters emotions in different different views and in this scene in particular there's a myriad of emotions that cersei in this scene is kind of asking him for advice without asking him for advice at certain points because she says to him what am i to do i sit on the throne of the father that you murdered like what else am i supposed to do at this point like i have to fight her i i can't not fight her because if i don't if i the line at the end is i can fight and die or submit and die but I know my choice. She's a she's a Lannister. She will fight and die. She's not going to submit and die. And the last line, Damien, to your credit, she says exactly to his face, a soldier a soldier should know this. Should know his choice. You know what I mean? Damien should know this, and he's cowarding to this to this whole entire situation, which is why he might have even tried to go after Danny in the first place. Kill myself off and like I don't have to deal with any of this crap any longer. I, well, I, mean, I, I it's almost like he's got PTSD at this point. Right? I I think that yeah, she was asking asking it, but it was like, I'm asking you, but I've already made up my mind. Mm-hmm. I I'm just going to verbalize this so you hear it and you know where I'm coming from. Plus, I don't even think that Cersei really even cares about Jamie anymore. She hasn't cared about Jamie in forever, and she just knows that to keep to keep him close, he's got to do all. Uh, she's got to keep him. I couldn't agree more. Addicted to the V, yep. you know. So I think that's what's going on. She's playing. She's playing Euron, and she's playing him to keep them both fighting for her. So that brings me to my question on this: is as the scene starts to close, she puts her hands down and explains to basically tells Jamie that she's expecting. Do you that's think that's a different do, scene? That's a, no. I thought that was the same scene. No, oh, no, I'm jumping ahead. Scene. No, no. The next, the next thing you see at King's Landing is Davos and Tyrion on the beach. Oh god, yes. that's right. And the line, I love this. The, first of all, I love Davos. We all know that I love Davos. He's like one yes, of my favorite. He's one of my favorite. favorites. And, he is my favorite. And so Tyrion saying, you know, oh, the last time I landed on on uh, the beaches of Westeros, I, I killed my father with a crossbow. And Davos's line is like, well, the last time I was on the beaches of Westeros, you killed my kid with a wildfire. And I'm like, oh damn. And it just went down from there because Davos. So you can see already people who should not be friends or shouldn't be working together are forced into situations at this point because of the White Walkers where it's like we've got to throw out all indifferences at this point. We have a major foe and Davos is understanding that there are other characters obviously that are going to learn that. But his line where he says, well, what if they take the boat? And I love it. He was like, then we're fucked. So you best hurry. (laughs) Like, yeah. <laughs> Davos is awesome. I love it. He doesn't. Yep. He doesn't like skip a beat every time that he says a line. It's always like that's what's it, that's that's it's a zinger. It is a yeah. zinger. The next scene is is Jamie Bronn and Tyrion in the Dragon's Cave. Yeah, Bronn's leading Jamie down, saying that they're going to go for a practice, uh, for some sword practice, and lo and behold, there there's Tyrion, and Jamie's not happy. No, he's pissed and. Tyrion tries to compliment him about the Castle Rock move, and Jamie's just brooding. Like, 
don't even bother bringing that line up. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? He's so angry at him. It's crazy. I said the next time that I saw you, I would cut you in half. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take a long time to do it with that practice Oh, sword. yeah. Right? <laughs> Which is really great. Like, because Tyrion is still Tyrion. So he's still going to give you that. And even though Jamie's visibly, he's he's using his visible anger against the killing of his father, but he knows. And so Jamie basically says to him, just let's cut the crap. Like, just tell me why you're here. Like, tell me why you brought me here. Tell me what's going on. And Tyrion says to him that Danny wants uh, an, armatist, uh, an armistice and he, she wants to stop this war. She wants Cersei and her to sit down and she wants to have them go against and they don't they cut away so they don't get into all of this detail but you learn later uh, that they against the wa- the white walkers and and how to de- that they need to defeat them as a whole mm-hmm. so he knows that Jamie is the one person that if he can get to Jamie and give that information out that information will get back to Cersei because she'll actually listen i think uh it was a it was a pretty good scene i it was great to see Tyrion and Jamie back together uh, even though they left with a lot of tension and a lot of anger or anger on one side and betrayal on another. And I just, I, I'm, I'm kind of liking the, how they're doing this with this season where it, it's definitely, you know, it's the end. Everybody, everybody that you've missed having that chemistry together is having chemistry again and actually being in scenes together even though they're short as hell, but it's hey hey it's don't still be good. making fun of Tyrion. Nah, he's he's got a lot of personality for that that shortness. He's like an eighty proof vodka. The, to me, the reason why Tyrion's in this episode with Jamie is to bring together the fact that they're going to work together down the line. This is, mm-hmm. this is the beginning of the mending of the two brothers together. It's the reason why you have, in, a, in the future of this episode, Cersei being very, so, being very defensive and using something to cause Jaime to come back to her because she's in fear of that connection between Tyrion and Jaime. That connection is very strong, and... Jamie being kind of a little distant right now is open to maybe that kinship with his brother again. And Tyrion feels like we have such a strong connection that I might be able to make this work. And he's trying to use it to his advantage. So when we cut away from that scene at the cave, you go to Davos and Gentry in steel streets and yeah holy shit davos uh, finds gentry gendry and gendry is a dude gendry went from like looking like a uh, a punk 16 year old to like a buff like i'm gonna kick your rear dude end. he's a badass yeah and he's, he, it's uh, like man the, i'd like to see him go against thor with that hammer <laughs> he's got a war hammer dude it is davos, awesome it's, he's oh got a war hammer and davos goes in there and just says hey we could really 
it's one of those situations where I've seen it in other movies where like the person doesn't even have to get like how about Batman when he talks to Flash where he doesn't even tell him he's part of the Justice League he's like yep I'm in oh wait a minute you're Batman that like Gendry was like yep I'm going oh wait where are we going like he doesn't even care he's like I've been ready for this for years let's just roll it also is because the fact that him and Davos have such a uh, such a connection together he feels a connection with the Starks specifically because of Arya and how how close they were so he'll defend House Stark. He doesn't even think twice about it. And he's just seething because he's stuck in these streets with all but, the Lannister people. It's like, ugh, I don't want to be here. You guys are trying to kill me. But the other thing that's so great about that is that when he is about – well, one is him talking about the fact, you know, the best place for me was under her, was under Cersei's nose. Mm-hmm. And he talks about hiding under her nose. Then, he, yeah, you're right. He talks about his hatred for making weapons to, you know, fat – or. Excuse me, for the people that killed, killed, my, killed family. my family yeah, and wanted me dead. And then, but then when he grabs the hammer, how much, I mean, that makes sense. You know, it's not the, it's not the, oh, we're in Pirates of the Caribbean and it's Will Turner. Oh, I practice with these swords every day. It's no, I swing a hammer all day long, every mm-hmm. day. I fashioned myself a war hammer because guess what? I know how to crush things. Yep. And also Papa Bob used a used a hammer as well <laughs> he gets a chance to wield that hammer but not before we find out that fermented crab is now viagra yes. oh my god yeah that was <laughs> that was great that was davos at his finest you've never really seen him be a smuggler no. this is the first scene that you get to see him be just that that Mr. Suave, when he, the, the reason why I like Davos so much. He pulls that right over the hammer on the boat, and I was like, Whew, and I'm like, oh. And they got away with it up until Tyrion was like, dude, he's little. So all he has yeah. to do is duck in the grass or something. And instead he just decides to walk forward. It's like, dude, come on. They know who you are. We've looked for a dwarf that has a scar like that before. At that point, didn't matter. At the fifth, the ten, the five, oh, the five that he, the jokingly, he, the five coins that he was going to give him to the fifteen, that was it. And then when those guys took the warhammer to the face, it crushed their face in, crushed. Oh yeah, it was bad. It was really bad. But what was great is Tyrion doesn't even ask who this other person is that's going with it. He's like, oh, he'll do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, he trusts Davos well, at this point. I mean, Davos. Remember him and Davos. Uh, it have now started to become a little bit closer. It's almost as, like the same way that him and Jonah have become a little bit closer. Like eventually, they, they know he knows who he is. <laughs> Jorah. Jorah. Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah. Jorah. Jorah Momont. <laughs> so the next scene that we get into is the scene that Damien was talking about, yeah. and it's you see Kyburn meeting really secretively with Cersei. The guess is what she's about to tell Jamie is the reason why they're meeting secretly. Well, the thing is, is if you if you read or watch with the subtitles. Oh, damn! You and the subtitles. I can't ever do I that. I know. Uh, he he is saying when she's wa- uh, when Jamie's walking into the room, I can give you something for that. Oh, yeah. So I was like, what do, what's going on? What it, what does that mean? Uh. I thought that she was just like stressed or something, or maybe she found out or kind of realized, and so she now she's playing the her indigestion. Oh, I thought it, I thought it was like you know Westeros herpes. It could be that too. <laughs> but I mean, so th- here's the thing: is we were talking about like you know if this is if this is her playing her brother, 
you know, or so if the baby's real or not. Now, in chat, Marco Minko says, states off that Maggie the Frog, this is in that flashback that we got, remember, that Maggie the Frog said that Cersei will only have three children. If this is true, something's going to happen to her or her pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So if the baby is real, that's not going to, that we're not going to see that baby born because, you know, hands around the neck. So in, yeah. in that scene, you get Jamie telling her that he met with Tyrion. The fact that he came forward right away with it tells you where her, his allegiance is. Like, he didn't try to hide it from Cersei and have a conversation about anything else without skipping a beat. Like, literally skipping a beat, she says, will you punish Bronn? Immediately. And he, like, looks at her like, wait, what? And she looks at him again and she's like, really? You don't think I know everything that goes on around here? I knew that you were meeting him. I knew exactly what he was coming to talk to you about. And I let it happen. Because I feel like it's in our best interest right now. If I didn't feel like it was in our best interest, you never would have met him. And at that moment, you see Jamie's eyes, like, well up. Like, almost like, oh, crap. Like, you know a lot more than I think you know. And then she she goes into that big, long speech and then pats her belly. And he's she says he says well who you're gonna name the father and she said you and then he really freaks out like why would you do that like that's dumb don't don't say it's me but then but then he's like i'm gonna be a papa again yeah i can actually be a papa (laughs) so Uh, he's super excited and as soon as i heard that my heart broke for jamie I was just like, no, don't, don't do this. You're just hurting yourself. Can't, can't you just choke her now and let's just get this over with? Be the queen killer now. Let's like, let's be done. I'm I'm done with this. I don't think he wants to be happy. I think that he's doing it because he knows that that's the role he needs to play right now. She brings up his dad again, which she does quite frequently. What does father say? The lion doesn't concern himself with the opinions of the sheep. So I'm not going to worry about what everybody else thinks when I name you the father. I'm just going to do whatever I want to go do. And she gives him that big old hug, and everybody's lovey-dovey, and it's so sweet. And then she says, never betray me again. And I'm like, oh, that's the dagger in the back. Punch her in the throat. (laughs) You want to know what made me think? It made me think of that situation where Danny was with with Varys. Oh, yeah, I know. I trust you. Don't ever cross me again. the same exact way, but just done differently. Like, you know what I mean? The same type of line. And for me, and this is just my thoughts, she is not pregnant at all. This is a ploy to keep him closer because what I talked about earlier, I feel like she's afraid of his his closeness with Tyrion. And this will be the reason when he finds out that she isn't, that she kills, that he kills her. That is a good, that is a good, a good uh, theory. And I... Kind of goes pretty much pretty similar to what I I was thinking. So Marco's killing it in the chat over here. He says he uh, he thinks that this is where the Golden Company is going to be coming in, and that Cersei's going to agree to work with Danny, but then have a sort of red wedding plan. It does uh, this, which I agree. Uh, yeah, I think that that could be a a big route that's going to happen i totally forgot about golden company so that's that's who gendry smashed face yeah oh that's right yeah that's golden company already yeah Yeah, they're already there yeah so the next spot that we're going to be heading into is dragonstone 
Oh, yeah. Now, just fair warning, a lot of the stuff that we talked about in the previous situations will either be past or present tense where Dragonstone is concerned, so we may be crossing some streams a little bit while we talk about it um, in certain situations. The first the first thing that you see in Dragonstone is Danny coming back from the, the loot the de- debacle yeah. and the dragon's approach and comes down right in front of Jon Snow. That, th- this scene, my favorite, this is by far, the, aside from the very end scene, this is my favorite scene of, of the episode. There's like, I had two favorite scenes. This is one of them because of how telling it is. We had, we had this, the, in the Citadel, we had that moment where you're learning information, right? Where the, where we, the viewers are learning information. This is a moment that solidifies what we learned earlier. This scene oh, for, for me, this is where the, the pinches of salt come out. What? Probably one of the most forced scenes in the episode. Because for me, the 30 minutes of talking and talky-talky between him and Danny have now jammed up s- certain scenarios or certain scenes in which John should have more time up being kindred to being a Targaryen and to have a dragon just fly down and be in front of him and then have this really forced scene where he's petting the dragon right away. It would have meant more to me had it been one of the other dragons or had they been fighting. And when he walked over or something, I, I get, I'm just get throwing out a random scenario and he was in that area. And then the dragon, like Danny saw it from a distance as opposed to like, Hey, I'm on a dragon. I'm going to fly right up to your face. Hey, pet me. I don't know what she was expecting when she flew the dragon up in front of John anyway. What was she expecting to happen? That was she going to... That she would get him to bend the knee. Oh, come on. But he was like, nah, not again. No. I'm going to pet your dragon. But the thing about this is, is you see you see, the, you see the, the, the dragon. You even see that this is the fiercest. This is what the scene was about. It was about showing that the fiercest of the three dragons knows it smells him it shows that he breathes it in it can he can tell that he's that he's dragonborn it can tell that he's that that's who he is like that's and so for the reason why they use who they use and in the scene is because they're trying to show that you know even the fiercest of the of the three knows who Jon snow is this was he might not know who he is yet but the dragon does all this did for me was was push the Danny feeling or kindering feelings for Jon Snow thing faster. They have to speed this up. She has well, to have yeah. feelings. She has to have feelings for him quickly. We only have what, like eight episodes left. So they've got to hook up at some point quicker. Like it's got to happen. And they wasted yeah. three episodes with the talkie talkie. So we got to get to the, the non talkie. This is more just showing yeah. that we're, we know what our three dragon riders are now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The three people that have touched dragons in this. Danny, John, Tyrion. For sure. The line that she gives to him and says that they're beautiful, aren't they? And he says, that's not the word I would have used, but yes. Yeah. So you already know where his mindset is. And she she comes to John and says, I know you might disapprove of how I accomplished what I accomplished, but I can help people if I'm in a position of strength. 
And then Danny does what she always does and brings up that stupid line, that, da- that one-off line that Davos brought up about uh, John and the stupid knife in the heart thing. She won't let that go. That's like the bending of the knee thing for her. She's like, well, what was that line? What did, what did he mean? What did he mean by that? And he's, is it a play on words? Yeah, it's a play on words. Just stop talking about it. Yeah, stop it. Just stop can you, can you please? And, and then yeah. the, then <sighs> Jorah Mormont returns. Big whoop. Like, like seriously, the guy time warps from Old Town to the corner, the uppermost corner of Dragonstone. In less than 30, I don't even know how fast it was, but it felt like he blinked and he was there. It's almost like Legend of Zelda where you can just, you're like, oh, I've been here to Old Town before. I guess I can warp there. I guess I can warp yeah, there. it's Skyrim. It's, Come on. Uh, really? Westeros and Skyrim are really close together. Why wouldn't they have fast travel too? Come on, Chris. The only thing that I really liked about this scene with Jorah was he immediately bent the knee. Immediately. And kissed her on the hand. And John noticed. And so when he said he was cured and he was for for her service... John gave him this look like, oh, you asshole. Like, don't. I mean, come on. I've been not bending the knee and telling her I'm not here to help her. Now you got to do it right away when you walk back in. So John gives him that leery look like, really? Come on. I just, Jorah's here just to be set off one more time to die. So I, it's been nice to see Jorah. I'm over his timeline. That I have that in my notes. I'm over Jorah. Like, I'm done. I can't. So, you, so what I'm you're done. saying is you think that Jorah is going to be. Jorah will be one. He'll be dead. He'll be dead okay. the next episode. Nope. 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 No. Nope. He's going to be No, no. Dra- I got it. I, I got it. I got it. You know what's going to happen? We'll leave it for the end. We'll leave it for the end. Leave but it for I the know, end. I know I know what's going to happen. I got my theory, and I bet you that it's going to come true. I just so want to talk it. about I got it. I'm over Jorah. <laughs> I'm okay. done. All right. All right. I know. Okay. I know what's going to happen now. So I'm pretty damn sure of it. Oh, I also have in note number four, I'm over Game of Thrones fast travel. So, like, I'm done with that, too. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm so over the fast travel, it, it's bothersome at this point. Did you know that Bethesda made Game of Thrones? I, I didn't, but it feels like in this episode they had to because everybody had to be someplace and they had to be there in an Uber really fast. Inclu- yeah, the, boat, whatever, it didn't matter. Grabbing, it's way uh, shrines, way shrines, guys. Come on now. Yeah. After, after that scene with Jorah... You kick back on Dragonstone to Tyrion and Varys, and it's Tyrion drinking wine for, like, the first time in forever, which made me happy. I'm like, oh, man, this guy used to be such a good drunk. Like, I I loved Mm -hmm. Tyrion when he was wasted all the time. And it was Tyrion basically saying that Lord Tarly had a choice and that the hand doesn't lead the head. You know what I mean? So he's like, I, I, I didn't really have a lot to say into this. I tried to tell her. And Varys basically tells him. With the Mad King, I used to say the same exact thing, but guess what? I had a hand in it too, and it—it's him just ba- just basically saying you have to find a way to make Danny listen, like figure it out. But you've got to get her to listen because otherwise she's down a bad path. Oh man, this this scene made me really nervous for reasons I'll go into later when we get into our theories. Is it about Varys and your feelings for yeah. him? I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure it is. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Your love of Varys might be going down the drain rather quickly. I know. He's too snaky. Yeah. We kick in Dragonstone right into the war room, which is the next scene, and uh John receives word that Arya and Bran are alive. Now we talked about that again when we we, we talked about some previous things. So again, like I said, we're gonna be crossing some streams here. Bran saw the Night King and the Night King is headed towards uh Night's Watch. So mm-hmm. 
that information is, is divulged and John needs to go home. Again, these ravens move rather fast. They are like warp speed. So if you send a raven, it should be there in 20 or 30 minutes or less or you get your money back. Needs that, to go to East. John needs to go to East Watch, not Night Watch. Or East Watch, pardon me, East Watch. Um, so John's John asks to go home. Thank you, and, Brandon. Yep. And John uh, asked Danny to join him, and she was like, "Oh hell no! Have you heard of a uh, woman named Cersei before? <laughs> if I leave here, she's gonna come take this too." Again, I don't understand how Danny doesn't know that Cersei doesn't have an army. She has no army. She has nothing. She has to buy people in order. Yeah. Like at at what point? People know so much in, in Game of Thrones when they need to know it. But when they don't need to know it, it's like Danny should know that there are no there is no army left. She should know that. It's just something she should know that she has Meisters, she has people, she's got bears, he's got birds. So yeah. they should know that shit. Um Tyrion suggests one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in Game of Thrones history. This is the dumbest thing I've ever and, and this is on my list of the dumbest things that I had on my pad. Why are we sending John or anyone to go find one walker so that they can bring them to Cersei, hoping that the thing stays alive, isn't burnt crispy after after going from cold to whatever it is, and knowing that this is like a death mission. I, and everybody's okay with this. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, it'll work. Nobody even throws up a hand going, this might not work. Everybody's like, nope, this is going to work. I don't get I it. Have a, I, see, I have a theory. This, this goes along with my theory, and I will, like... Uh, I, this is my, my theory for this. I'll be I'll explain here pretty soon. I like Varys' response, though, and he says that, that if you're going to bring something in front of Cersei, one, she needs an audience because other people have to know that she's taking care of this. And two, how the hell do you know she's not going to kill you when you do it anyway? So he's the one voice of reason out of this entire group. Um, she, he says that Tyrion says that she that she listens to Jamie. He may listen to me. This is where we're talking about the fact that it crosses the streams again. So, um, uh, so Tyrion is going to go and talk to Jamie. We know that that occurs. Jorah raises his hand and says, "Hey, I'll go north. Hey, I'll go. Yeah. I'll do whatever I have to do to help you out, Danny." Yeah, as long as that gets me in that dress. Yeah. Come on. And Davos is like, "Yeah." You can't lead a raid against the wall because you're not part of the Night's Watch and nobody will follow you. And then all you hear in the background is wah, wah, wah. Poor, poor Jorah. And then John stands up for him like a good wingman and says, oh no, I'll go. I mean, I know the walkers. I know what they do. I've seen them before. I'll, I'll do it. And Danny's like, no, you can't go. I command that you cannot go. Like, I, I, you don't have permission and John was like, "Oh my goodness, this charade about permission shit." I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm the king. king. I don't. I don't. I'm the king of the north. Yeah, I don't. Go. I don't really need your permission. I mean, I've really been just like monkeying around with the fact that I've, I'm letting you think that it's okay, but I don't really need your permission. Yeah, we're. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do this, and you're gonna like it. And she's like, "Ooh, a bad boy." Yes, please. He gives her the, the, the really speech was really the speech was nice. Me. The stranger thing, like where he trusts a stranger, she should trust a stranger. I yes. liked it. I thought it was okay. I mean, I don't, I don't like the actor who plays Jon Snow to begin with. I think that he's a really poor actor, and I think that he over exaggerates lines, and it's really bad. But in this scene, it wasn't terrible. 
You just broke my heart. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, I love okay. I love Kit Har- Harrington. Oh, Kit Harrington. I'm sorry, I couldn't yeah. I couldn't think of the name. Kit, it was Kit Harrington, but I, I just I don't. The only think reason he's a great I know actor. the name is I, li- I liked him in Pompeii. I liked him yeah. in uh, the oh I lost the the movie. I'll remember it in a little bit. But Mission Impossible, right? Wasn't he in one of the Mission Impossible? I don't know if he was in the Mission Impossibles. I know it was uh, a Sony or as a game. We're getting off track, yeah. man. I know. <laughs> Let's not do that. <laughs> so we kick out of the or- of the war room and we head to the caves where Davos and Gendry meet Jon Snow. Davos immediately was like, "You are not Gendry. You are no man. You are no one." Like, just say, make up a fake name, and. Gendry walks in. Hey, how's it going, guys? My name's Gendry. Yeah. I'm a bastard. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. a Baratheon's bastard son. We're buddies. Your dad and I were really good friends. And you're like, what the flip, Gendry? Just shut up. Uh, it was. It, I was like, good job, Gendry. Well, he knows. He knows that Gendry, their dads are friends. This. So like, that's why he says that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm assuming that that's the case. Why be dishonest with John? And I think that John takes to him a little bit because of how genuine he is. First of all, he doesn't hide who he is after Davos is like, well, why the F am I here? Like, I told him to lie to you. And then he calls John small, which at first, John, like, gives him a look like, what'd you just say? <laughs> and then he smiles and he goes like, uh, my boy. <laughs> well, if you look at the shots and stuff, like, he's only a few inches taller than Daenerys. Right? And Daenerys is... It's 5-2. Gendry states that he's coming with Warhammer, and he, he'll fight. Davos backs him up because he's seen him mash two faces in. And at, at, honestly, at this point, John's merry men, they have a, what, a, a, a crowd of like three. So adding, da, adding Gendry to this list is a welcome sight. It's like, oh, hey, thanks. Right after that, they kick to a quick... Scene with Jorah. Hey, hey, hold, hold oh, off. First off, uh, Marco Mingo in chats brings up the fact about when they when it was a very it was we're talking about how this episode does throwbacks, and this was kind of a throwback to uh, when he says you're a lot leaner than I thought. Then uh, and then they say you're a lot shorter. Well, that is very similar to when Robert says to Ned, "You're getting fat." Yeah. No. Ned oh no, Ned says, Ned says, that says to, to Robert. Uh, yeah, to Robert. Robert. Robert yeah. That's right. So it was, it was a throwback, yeah. And there and there was that same tension and, and yeah, then laughter. Yeah, and laughing. And and, same, but same. it was the other way around. Exactly. Exactly. The, the scene on the beach is kind of the goodbyes. And it's Tyrion, Jorah, John, And Tyrion gives Jorah the gold coin that was offered uh, to the slave traders for their freedom. And he says he wants it back when Jorah gets back, which is that coin. Uh, my friends is the kiss of death. So we know Jorah's not coming back. That coin's never returning. I you that Tyrion Miles will not. Yeah. So a, a Jorah, a, a Mormont. We're ne- not there a, yet, Damien. A, a Mormont never picks his debts. <laughs> All right. So it's true. Okay. Mormont- oh, that makes him. That makes it very sad. That yeah. makes me very worried about Lady Mormont. It really does. And John and Danny say their goodbyes again. Really bad tension. Really bad. Oh, I want you so much. And he's like, ah, I don't have time to be thinking about that. I got my brother and my sister who are really alive again that I should be thinking about, but I'm not thinking about because I'm thinking about heading to Eastwatch. And everybody's saying their goodbyes. It's just like a real quick bit, and it's done. And then we head to the north. To the north. To the north. And Bran is warging all over the place in his damn ravens. 
All, oh, all, man, that was such a cool scene. Eyes all rolled back in his head, having convulsions, like just watching all those ravens go every place. And then when you see the like the initial part of the, the White Walkers walking, it's like, oh, the dead. This is awesome. And then you see the king, of the, uh, and I'm like, oh, crap. And all the he does Night is, king. yeah, the Night King, he just looks up, and those ravens scatter like bat out of hell. Yeah, uh, when I was watching that scene, like you know that they're coming, but then right when the the ravens go over that little hill, and then you just see thousands of them again. Look there with my wife, and I'm like, shit. Yep, that's a lot. Uh, shit. Okay. What? When, but when, when I when I saw that, my first thought was, oh crap, they're close. They're, same, because, same. they're close. Like that it, is what, because it didn't take him that no, long to get there. No, not at all. Those ravens, like, I think that's why they held the scene so long with the raven, and they showed how far they were flying because they were weaving, and then it was like in like less than thirty seconds they were there, and I'm like, oh, that's that's real close. Like that's right there. So that's the scary part for me is how close they are, and I don't think they realize how close they are. Fout says yeah. uh, activate White Walker fast travel, and uh, Marco says that you know he's talking about how he likes the, the how Brand's behaving now, uh, and as as a part as a part of his story arc, story arc is that he's he likes the change. And see, I'm in that same boat. I've said it for the last the last few episodes that I think it's because he's he's not Brand. Disassociated. Yeah. He's yeah, not he's, he's becoming no, disassociated. Yeah, he's losing the Stark. And he's turning in to the three-eyed He is legion. He is many. Mm. Yes. Ha! Good, good. I just, I don't like emo brand. I just not, I'm not a big fan of emo brand. And I, I like brand. That means that emos, emos have something other than just being sad. Right. And cutting themselves. The brand is not an emo. He's just disassociated. I'll tell you what. The North was my favorite part of this entire episode. And the reason why is because the plays between Sansa and Arya and then Arya and Littlefinger were the most Game of Thrones-like to me throughout the entire episode. So the, the I would guesstimate the 15 minutes of screen time that all of them got. Arya and Sansa and the council uh, were there initially with the Lords of the North. And the Lords of the North said that they didn't choose Sansa, but they're choosing her now. We really, you know what? We really wanted you. John happened to be here, but you were the person we really wanted. And Sansa pretty staunchly was like, no, you know, I, you just chose John. I, we should stick with John. Like, I'm okay with that. You should be okay with that too. But that visible small push, that little, like, the, in front of Arya, like, oh, so this is why she wants John to go away. And this is because Littlefinger's there freaking stirring the pot like he always is. And just, oh, oh, it's so good. Because once you see Arya start following Mm -hmm. him him around, you know that he knows. Uh, Like, he's like, this is the game that he's played before. He is just playing it on a smaller map now. And he is a master at it. He's been doing it forever. The only, I'll I'll talk about that in a second. But the, I I what you mentioned I I appreciated when she followed him, and we'll talk about that in a second. Was that you saw him talk with a few of the lords, so you know he's getting in their ear 
which is why they mm-hmm. went to Sansa in the first place. They wouldn't have said anything had it not been for Littlefinger, like, whispering. He's also passing secret messages uh, using the girls around mm-hmm. that are just running around things. So he's doing secret messages. He's uh, whispering lies or whatever or just, you know, uh, schmoozing and kind of putting little earworms into people. And, yeah, and then he goes... Do you, we want to do that part, or do we want to do the talk between Sansa and Arya I, first? I was going to talk about the fact that Arya commented on Sansa, uh, commented to Sansa that she was in mother and father's chamber, and you always did like nice things to make you feel uh, better than everyone else. And it was just one of those. It was. It, I didn't even take it as like a spite thing. It was more of a sister versus a sister dig thing. You know what I mean? Like that was like, here's needle sibling. Yeah. That that was a sibling. That was, that was a throwback again. That was a throwback to how they behaved in season one. You Uh know, that was an exact, that was again, that was the throwback to that. All right. So we're going to two man the rest of this. Yeah. Damn. All right. Here we go. So Aria comments to Sansa, uh, about the mother and father. And we talked about that. What about the fact that Arya comments to Sansa that she didn't defend when the Lord's badmouthed John? Why would she? Like Sansa, I Sansa has never really been the biggest fan uh, of John, and she's doing this because they picked him. And yeah, there's a blood relation, or there's a blood relation, blah blah blah. So she knows that for her to be in power that they're going to need to use her, uh, use him. Oh, did we just tag team? Yeah, we did. Fantastic. All right. <laughs> so, on this. I, and I, I, <laughs> I agree with you in the sense that she's playing the game too. Remember, and Aria, call, Aria calls her out on this, but she has to, she has to, if John doesn't come back, she's queen of the North. So she has to have good favor with these lords. But she also has to make sure that if John does come back, she's not talking crap about John. You know what I mean? So she Yeah, exactly. She has to. Like it's it's part of her job. Like this is this is she's an in-between. Yeah. She has to make sure that she is trying to break the waves before they come and make sure that there's a calm sea. Throughout the whole thing. Yeah, I get where you're coming from with that, for sure. And the person who does that is the listener. Oh, I, mm. I see where you're coming from. I understand. Let me tell him about that when he comes back. You know what I mean? How does uh, that make you feel? How does that make yeah. you feel? Yeah. The the one thing that Arya does say that I think punches her right in the freaking nose is like, listen, I know you want to be Queen of the North. Just say so. I get that yeah. it, that you have those feelings. Don't hide but it. But she doesn't want to be Queen of the North. She wants to be Queen Queen, period. Oh. Oh, she also wants to cut people's heads off, and Arya knows, and that really pisses off Sansa that she knows what's her deepest, darkest thoughts. Arya then starts to trail Littlefinger, and Arya watches Littlefinger as no one, because that's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of when no one was there, and like would just kind of like weave in and out, and you don't, and you don't see. It's really weird that that. Littlefinger is picking up on it, isn't picking up on it initially. That's that's kind of what we get. Then you see Littlefinger who's given a copy of a note that only one person in Winterfell would have had. Yep. And this goes back to episode three where he learned that despite 
all of the destruction and all the fire in season two, Winterfell still keeps really great records at Meister Lewin, it turns out, keeps every single copy of a Raven Scroll that gets sent to King's Landing. And that's not lost on Littlefinger when that conversation happens. Because Littlefinger, as he told Sansa, what was it, last episode or the episode before that? Remember everything that happens around you, know everything that is occurring, and don't, you know, don't feel like, you you have to know everything that's going to happen when it happens. Don't look in one direction, yep. look in every direction. Yep. And Ar- Play everything all at the same time. So Arya breaks into Littlefinger's chamber and finds the note in the hole. She uh, straight up assassin greed lockpicked that thing and just went in there. Yep. She she was listening on the conversation. So there's a few things that are occurring with the note uh, that I w- want to give some preface to. And then uh, if you guys want to throw something in uh, about it. Um, something about the note is that it was... Sansa wrote it under duress back in season one, and it was against uh, against her in an attempt to drive a wedge between the Stark sisters. Basically, what, what it was done, what it was doing was, um, Littlefinger knew about this note. He was in the room when Sansa was writing it, and Cersei was the one who forced her to write it. She was writing it to Rob, basically telling lies about Ned, saying that Ned was going against, you, you know, against the kingdom, and so it implied that she should. You should not listen to that, and you should basically go with Cersei. That's that's kind of what the note to would, Joffrey to Joffrey. Pardon me, to Joffrey. Um, Cersei urged Sansa to write that write to her mother and brother, saying that if you would help your father, urge your brother to keep the king's peace. Sansa asked about her father, and she asked what will happen to him. And the queen replied smoothly, "That depends on your brother and holding up the quill, you." So to save Ned, Sansa writes the note. And the note that ever that was scrolled out was really fast. So if you didn't pause it, you didn't read it. Um, it basically said, Rob, I write to you with a heavy heart. Our good King Robert is dead, killed from wounds that took from a boar's hunt. Father has been charged with treason. He conspired with Robert's brothers against the beloved Joffrey and tried to steal his throne. The Lannisters are treating me very well and provide me with every comfort. I beg you to come to King's Landing, swear to the King Joffrey, and prevent any strife between the houses of Lannister and Stark. Yep, right from season one, and it's great. And it is an amazing callback. Like, this is such a roundabout in order to bring that back. For Littlefinger to be in the room when it happened, for him to know that it's going to cause a rift between the two sisters, and also, Littlefinger is double-crossing. He's he's doubling down right now. He knows that the closer that the Stark sisters get together or are together, his pull towards Sansa gets farther and farther away. So in order to keep Sansa close to him, he's got to keep that wedge. And that wedge is to piss Arya up enough that in her, in Sansa's eyes, Arya looks insane or crazy or a little too aggressive. And so she's put away so that she's not so aggressive. Marco just said, I started to think that Sansa's speech in the season trailer, A Lone Wolf Die, The Pack Survives, is meant specifically for Littlefinger. Or it could be for Arya. It could be. I mean, he knows that he knows that Sansa and Arya will fight over this, and that Arya or that Sansa will think that she's dangerous or a threat. If the, if she can, if he can cause that to be the case, and it causes Arya to go into assassin mode or stealth mode, and Sansa sees it, it will be enough to push Sansa over the edge to say, "Listen, we need to put her at least in a cell for now to cause her not to do any more damage than is already necessary." 
I don't think so would hold her. I don't think so either. <laughs> I don't think, think so either. The final scene is one of the big ones, and it's from East Watch. It, there's a ton of people in it, so I'm going to rattle off the names. You have John, you have Jorah, you have Gendry, Davos, Tormund, the Hound, Beric, and Loras. So there's there. It's literally the Justice League of of West of Westeros and River, Riverside and all the other places. And one of my favorite scenes in this entire episode was the conversation between John and I talked to you about this Fouts offline. Yeah. Is yeah. Tormund says how many queens and John says two. And then the next line that John, that Tormund says, I literally laughed out loud. My wife actually came in when I was watching it. And he says, you need to convince the one with the dragons or the one that fucks the brothers. Yeah. <laughs> and John says, yeah. both. And I'm like, I literally roared. I'm like, because that's... Marco, I totally agree. Marco, Suicide Squad. More like Suicide more Squad. More Suicide Squad. It's like literally just that. And I love Tormund because he asks not only about the men that are in the army, but he also asks about the big woman. Yeah, and he, he brings oh, her up. Brienne. He, he brings such up Bri- a thing for Brienne. I love that oh he still gosh. has a thing for Brienne. It's a, such a shame that he's gonna die. I feel so bad. Like I, like I wish she would. You think li- everybody's just gonna die? I wish she would live a little bit longer. The the Hound and the Brotherhood finally appear. I mean, last we've been talking for weeks. Where are they? So right. they finally. They're the only ones that, that have not unlocked fast travel. Right. Yeah, they actually have to travel. They were found as or they us- did, and they just got in jail because they stole a, a goat or something. I don't know. They were found south of the wall by some scouts, which yeah. were, I guess, some wildlings that were just out grabbing berries. Like you said, they were, you know, whatever they were doing. And this this scene reminds me. I call this the catch up scene. The catch up scene is, hey, you tried to sell gentry. Hey, Mormon's dad tried to kill the wildlings. Hey, I hate you. Hey, I like you. Like, it was just this this combination of everybody hating or loving everybody. It was crazy. Like, it was it was bananas. And then the Hound basically says, let's stop chatting like a bunch of girls in a, in a bathroom. Can somebody just freaking make up a decision whether we're going with you guys or not? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> let's just go. Let's just go or let's not go. And John says, hey, we're all on the same side. We're breathing. So <laughs> let's go together. And then the final scene has them in front of the the big wall with the gate opening and they all give each other that bro look like the one that everybody gives when they're about to about to head on on a staunch like this really big mission and they walk into the winter final thoughts as far as hits or misses and man do i have a ton all right go you go first just go first so one of the hits is that one of the one of the misses let, let me start with a miss where was Missendi this entire time? In the shadows. In the sh- she was in the shadows. Yeah. Why is she front and center in every single other episode when they're on Dragonstone, but in this episode she's gone? Because she's all worried. Watch next episode. It's going to be because she was worried about Grey Worm, and so she's just been kind of milling Maybe around she went doing to her own thing. Ooh. Ooh. So she goes to Grey Worm. I don't like the huge plot change. To go get the White Walkers. I don't, I think it's a big mistake in the writing. I think it's a ploy to move the plot along and get everybody from point A to point B. And the getting together of the group or the clan. Which it sounds nice on paper because everybody wants to see everybody together or meeting each other. Sometimes you have hits with that. Sometimes you have misses with that. To me when they met the Hounds 
and uh, the Hound, and they met all of the the other group of the Brotherhood, it was a real miss for me. I don't understand why they were there. I don't understand why everybody was brought together. I don't understand why Neth- that wasn't talked about by Tormund up front. Like, hey, we caught some guys. You might want to. Might you may know. Well, they, we were told that they were going to Eastwatch. Um, when the Hound has vision, he said that he's seen the Walkers going around the wall at Eastwatch, and that's why they were going there to try and stop it. Because he was the chosen one. Because you know the Lord of Light has resurrected him five times now, so that's why they're going there. And along the way, they got captured by other wildlings, and just so happened that. Fast travel doesn't work for them, so it just took them longer to get there. My hit for this week was the way that the story with Arya and Sansa was told. Like I said, I thought the North yeah. was the best storyline by far in this entire episode. And I didn't I didn't really care for this episode, but I thought that that was the best storyline by far. Um, it would have fit, fit into any other season and would have would have done it justice. I... I I'm not going to get into a, one of the other things that I'm thinking about until we talk about theories and such, but I, I'm really, <laughs> I, I am flustered with why we're still dealing with Littlefinger and all of Littlefinger's games. The, the game is bigger than Littlefinger anymore. The game is the White Walkers. Why are we still, why is, why are we still stuck on this Littlefinger playing pawns in Winterfell when we should Because be... they don't want to focus on one thing. But everybody else is. That's the problem. the The rest of the show is amping up to forget about the small stuff and worry about the walkers, while in the north, all we keep talking about is Littlefinger and Arya. It doesn't make sense to me. It, it, if everybody's going to be one place, let's get everybody one place. Why are they the outliers? Why are they the ones who don't care? Yeah, Jeff, what do you got as, as for hits and misses this week? For for uh, misses. I'm just not feeling Cersei. And I think I think that that's how you're supposed to feel. I'm not sure. Like I I know some people are still like, yeah, Cersei's Cersei's awesome. And just a second. Yeah, uh Marco, I think that Littlefinger will die this season as well. Oh, I do too. Like I think that I think that that's one of the big deaths in the last episode. So, uh if that's his theory or thoughts. I'm total agreement. Yeah. Um, my hits, though, I really... I like seeing uh, Littlefinger back to form. Uh, yeah. Also, Gilly being the Wikipedia uh, that she was, that was great. It was such a great scene. Uh, talking about, like, the 1,574 se- uh, steps... And Sam being pissed off and saying, ah, I don't care about how many shits the maester took. And she's like, steps. Steps. It was steps, I not shits. I love that. <laughs> yeah. She was so happy when she told him. Yeah. So happy when she <laughs> that told him. That was like the best. That was like she's one like, of the best steps, scenes. Dear. I, I mean, did you not hear me? Yeah. I love that line. So, And she just like brushes all of her his anger off of her shoulder, which is great. Now my favorite part of, of every one of our spoiler casts are the theories. I love theories. I'm calling my shot from way, way back. I told this to Fouts off air. I believe that 
Danny comes with all three dragons to come and save John outside of the wall when he's surrounded by the walkers. His crew is going to be surrounded. We saw that in the previews. If you watch the previews, they're surrounded. Then you see John, uh, John going off on a horse. And Fouts, you can use that as your theory because you brought it up. So we'll, we'll go with that when, when the time comes. Oh, we still got one for Fouts. Yeah. I think that the Night King kills one of the three dragons. And one of those three dragons becomes a White Walker dragon. And so oh. it gives them a way to go to the wall because when Danny comes in, she lights everything up like a Christmas tree and takes out a ton of walkers. And they have no defense for that. But the Night King taking out a dragon now has a dragon. And a dragon can take out a dragon. Or it can at least defend against two dragons. Benjamin, that's basically is was cold my hands of Benjamin. I'll, I'll, I'll oh. actually go into it in a minute. Oh, Benjamin, yeah, Ben. Oh, yeah, the Benjamin theory. Like that was Fouts' theory. I called because I started talking about it. He's yeah. like, "That's my theory." I'm like, "Awesome." Yeah. So my theory is um, basically you see that uh, John gets pulled up onto the horse, and last time we seen Benjamin is when he dropped Bran off the wall and just said, "All right, peace out. I gotta take off. I gotta go," and that's all you see of him. And this season, they're bringing back characters that we haven't seen in a while. Now, we did see Benjamin, what, last season when he was dropping off Bran. But, I mean, before that, it's been a while. So, I, I actually think that Benjamin's going to come in, save John, either by taking him away from that situation. Or, you know what? Maybe Benjamin's going to be the one, the White Walker that they take. Because well, Benjamin's dead. Benjamin, Benjamin's half white. Yeah, he's half white. So they could take him. Benjamin really could to. totally be the White Walker. So what if he played? Take down there. He could play off as white, and and do that too. I mean, I told you I thought that the Hound was the one who took, because he's yeah. a, he's the strongest of the group. I thought he's the one who took whoever the White Walker was and took them. I think when Danny comes down, she either takes them upon their drag upon one of the dragons. I know the people that. That people don't normally ride dragons, but she has the ability to convince the dragons that it's okay to take them with to get them the hell out. I don't, of, I don't think that'll happen. Get them the hell out of dodge. I think they I don't do. Think I think, I think else. they all ride off. Or, I, I mean, I don't know how they ride off in horses because there's not enough horseback. So I they have to get out of there some way. With the dragon enough fire, it's going to create a barrier or a blockade that is going to allow them to escape to the ocean, just like they did when they were at Hardhome. Um, I think. If a if a dragon's gonna die, just because of all the names, the it's gonna be Viserion. Yep. Yeah, but I I uh, mean I talked about a dragon dying what like in this season. Oh yeah, a while ago. A while ago, and turning into a White Walker. So I'm hoping that I this is, I'm still clinging on to this. Like I really feel yeah. like this is the moment that it could happen. I brought up the Masendi thing um, about not being here the whole time. The one the other thing that I want to bring up is what if Arya. What if I know you know that you know that I know, but you don't know that I know with Littlefinger? And she knows that she's being played by Littlefinger. And Arya becomes no one. And that no one is Sansa. So when Ar when Littlefinger comes up and speaks to her, her no one face is Sansa. Littlefinger talks to her as if she's... And then... You can't do that unless they're dead. It ha they yeah, have to be dead? have the face. Yeah, they yeah. have to be dead. Those, those are physical faces that were removed from dead bodies. That's how she got Walder Frey's face. Okay. She wasn't able right. to become Walder Frey until uh, she, she could. Him. I wasn't sure that it was she, a dead thing. Okay. Yeah, she could 
kill the girl that he was passing notes to after like torturing her and get the information that way maybe i think that she's Um, in on the game i don't think that Littlefinger has the upper hand here it could be I, I well, think the I audience is to, is supposed to think. That I, I think has Arya is smart enough that she she'll be able to see through it. She's been doing this enough and seen a lot of shady people that she probably nobody. I don't think that Littlefinger has really dealt with anybody like Arya yet. There's been nobody like Arya. Yeah. The other thing is, what if Bran is the lie detector for Arya and Sansa? So if they're in the middle of a fight and Bran's like, well, I already saw that and I can tell you that Littlefinger did this, this, and this. I can see that happening too. Because I wonder who's going to go to her. I think that Sansa will go to Bran before uh, before Arya, though. Yeah, because I think Sansa has more faith in what Bran's powers actually are rather than Arya does. I don't know when Gendry is going to forge the Valyrian steel. I know that he said Jon's sword was strong enough that he didn't have to worry about that, but I'm talking, we're not talking about Oathbearer and like, well, I, I'm, he's going to have to forge some steel for the rest of the army. Do you know what I mean? Like, he, there's going to have Dragonglass, man. Yeah. But well, you know, that's what I'm talking about. But at what point is he going to do that? He's now at. He's not going to. He's now at. Eastwatch. I bet that there's already, I bet that there's already, they have some. Uh, dragon glass weapons that they're going out there with mm-hmm. they wouldn't be they wouldn't it, be dumb enough to go without it if anything john was sending an envoy from what they mined back to uh winterfell with mm-hmm. all that stuff what do you think is in samwell's tomes um i think that it's the white uh the white walker history and the history of the the long, the long winter. The long was it the long night? The long night, yeah, yeah. Which I that would that would make a ton of sense. Like that would be really good information. The other thing that we're all looking forward to that I think is going to be episode eight is the meeting between Cersei and Danny. That's going to be. Eff- I don't, I don't think don't, that's going to happen in episode eight. I don't want to curse, I, but I think that's going to be effing phenomenal. I think that's episode eight. I think. Uh, there's no episode eight. I thought there was only seven episodes. There's only seven. Oh, seven. So episode seven. I'm sorry. Episode seven. I think that's the last episode. Marco said Bran also knows about John Aaron's death, and yeah. the valve is um, the veil. I'm sorry, not the valve is not going to back Littlefinger if they find out. Yeah, it's true. Um, so I don't have a lot of big theories to build off of or just like the Varus thing Varus thing made me start thinking because Chris you brought up like how you think that was yours Masende or mm-hmm. was yours yeah yeah yours was Masende and then Cajun had said I think Masende's it's probably and then Cajun was saying that it was Varus mm-hmm. right yep and I'm kind of leaning towards Cajun's thing especially with like how how I've been feeling that since season one that Varys is going to die. Uh, I think Littlefinger's a spy. Littlefinger. Do you think that Littlefinger and Varys are working together? I don't think so. No. I think he's sending messages back and forth to Cersei so that way he can keep Cersei close so that way when he goes back there he can kill Cersei and put Sansa on the throne and make himself king. Hmm. 
I hate it's a, I hate and love Littlefinger at the same time. <laughs> it's a tapestry of lies and deceit, and it, it, it's great. But I don't have like a a lot of big big theories uh, that I pulled away from this, other than what I was what I was thinking already. I didn't come up with any other big ones, though. No, I think our personal hits and misses, well, you carry yours every week, which is John didn't bend the knee. So that John still hasn't bent the knee. So you're... you're He's you're, never going to bend that knee. You're, you're carrying that on. Uh, He's in the bedroom I, and Danny gets her wish. <laughs> Danny gets her wish. And I, that, that, then he's just bending both knees. Exactly. I'm still playing the long game with the the whole Walker situation and a dragon dying this season. Which, as long as one dies this season, I'm in. I'm in like Flynn, but I've been talking about it since episode one. Actually, you just brought up Walkers. That reminded me. This is the only one that I really pulled away. Um, so, do you remember back uh, when they brought when the first White Walker was there? They sent I can't remember his name, but the douche the douche guy from the watch they sent him with the with the arm Mm -hmm. and once it got down there yeah yeah. with the hand and once it got down there it was rotted and not moving anymore so it just looked like a dead hand so i'm thinking if they bring this white uh this white walker or this white down to king's landing it could potentially do the same thing because uh who knows but the the winter is closer so maybe they could get further down, and that's what would make it possible to not be dead. So my theory is that Jorah Mormont will get killed by a White Walker, will know that he's going to rise as a White Walker. He knows that, or he's, he's dying, and to make sure that he doesn't rot, they package him up and they start bringing him back. Like, they they bring him back, and he's the White Walker that they show and they present one last time for for Danny to see everybody to see, and then he'll die by by fire because that's how they kill him. He'll die he'll die by fire and it, dragon fire, and that will be one way for them to know that the dragon fire actually kills the White Walker, but also for Danny to say goodbye and honor her friend. Damn, I like that. That I'm also frustrated. I didn't think of it. Good call. <laughs> so that that that's what I think. I I don't know what they're expecting when they get to Cersei to begin with. It's not going to be good. No. It's not going to be good. And I don't think that she cares. So it doesn't doesn't matter whatever it is that they say. She'll put that wildfire to good use. Yes. Yes. So in conclusion, uh, our final thoughts on episode five, which we all know that episode six... Or in every other season would be the, you know, the episode prior to the finale is usually the death episode. Like, people start dying like wildfire in the, the second to last episode. The the last episode, people don't die. They, it's usually just like leads to that climax t- for the cutoff. So if we're going to lose some people, it's next week. For me, there's a couple of losses. We're losing Loras. Loras is the is the one who ri- raises from the dead, right? Like, it, is, is it Loras? Is that... Am I wrong? Oh, and then somebody's going to get his sword. Yes. And then uh, the Ray's lighter. I told you Baron, I think, was going to take that right away. And I also think that uh, Tormund is going to die, too. Uh, you also got to remember that every season a king has died 
in Game of Thrones. Mm. Oh, Every yeah. season, a king has died in Game of Thrones. Uh, Ramsey Marcus was says Thoros. 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 Sorry, I said Loras. Yeah, Thoros. And it's a. Uh, yep. Uh, Ramsey was the last one, mm-hmm. right? Because he was king of the north, right? Um, no, last season. Tom oh no, died. he wasn't. That's right, Tommen died. That's right, because he was he was warden of the north. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're gonna wrap this up uh, for season seven, episode five, spoiler cast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Damian Nash, all one word. And uh, I man the Geekologist uh, Twitter page as often as I can, minus the T for character restrictions. And uh, I'll talk to you all later. Jeff, where can people find you at? You can find me on Twitter at TheJeffBerry. That is G-E-O, whoa, T-H-E-G-E-O-F-F-B-A-R-R-Y. You can also find me on the Nerdential podcast. And uh, here, hopefully on Thursday, we should have something coming up on the on the cast. Fantastic. Or on this channel. Uh, it's something of our older stuff. It's uh, TLDW. We had it up on our own RSS feed for a while, but we just got rid of that. And we're going to put it up here so you guys can kind of see what me and Paul are going to be bringing to the table. Fantastic. Uh, where can people find you at Fouts? You can find me on Twitter at bfouts82 and editing the crap out of this podcast. You can find me at Two Wolves, T W O W O L V Z Z, on Twitter. And for Geekologist Radio and Ninja Pancake Family of Podcasts, we are out. Hey guys, it's Fouts here. Uh, we had some audio complications during the live stream for on Cajun's end. So Cajun, being the gracious host that he is, decided he was going to record his own separate casts for the reaction of the game of thrones episode i'm also uploading it so feel free to please go and listen to that to get all of cajun's wonderful theories because he is the theory crafting master thanks again for listening